Welcome to USAV Bandwidth. I'm Chris Salazar-Mangrum, joined by Patrick Whipke with our featured guest and SCN's 2021 Hall of Fame and industry expert, Tim Albright. Tim, thank you for joining. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right. So we're on the conversation about uh, our first part was about organic growth within the AV industry. If it's the integrators, you know, trying to grow to a different discipline or diversification of disciplines, if you will. So uh, from AV growing into security, whether it's physical or cyber slash IT. And then we started landing on a little bit of where is the potential next growth trajectory taking them, perhaps into residential, right? Yeah. We talked a little bit about the organic growth, training them internally, getting their A players involved. I wanted to spend some time on this section about mergers and acquisitions and even leveraging partner networks. So Tim, you've been keeping an eye out on the radar as far as M&A. Are you seeing a lot of mergers and acquisition activity occurring today that is really layering in some more diverse disciplines within either integrator companies or even manufacturers to that degree? Yeah, there, there's the 2020, I think, scared a whole lot of people. And so you, you've got some folks that were looking at, at M&As, whether that's you know a, a straight up purchase or working together with another company and merging together. And there's a couple different buyers or owners that we have to talk about here before we get into that. And number one is the traditional family-owned integration firm, right? And family-owned uh, IT firm. And these are folks where, you know, you work side-by-side side with the owner. They, you, you know them, you see them every day. They're, they probably still physically sign your check every, every week, right? And then you've got folks that are more in the investment banking side, right? So these are the investment bankers that are traditionally, you know, the larger firms, the larger IT firms, the larger AV firms. Both of them have reasons for doing M&As and they are typically different, right? The investment bankers, the investment firms, they're looking to get a return on their investment. That is strictly what they're after. And they can do that a couple different ways. One is through merger and acquisition. It shows revenue growth as well as headcount growth. The other folks, the family-owned businesses, they're looking to expand both their offerings as well as their, their capabilities for their customers, for their clients. And something that we talked a little bit on the, on the first show, where it's, it's more of a pull. It's a pull from the, the customer who is saying, you know what, you're already in our facility. We're already paying you. You're already in our system. Can't you do X, Y, and Z? It's all technology, right? It's all stuff on the network, whether that's AV over IP or that's security cameras on the network or it's the, the traditional network infrastructure, network security and things of that nature. And so you're looking at that from a growth opportunity and a customer servicing opportunity. Neither one is good or bad or otherwise. It's neither one is better than the other. It's just understanding the, the two different philosophies and the two different things that are moving those, those decisions. You are going to see more and more mergers and acquisitions between firms. And I believe that especially coming, going more and more deeper into 21 and going into 22. The first part of 21 is still going to be, people are still gun shy from 2020, both from a, a cash flow standpoint and a sales standpoint. But as we move into the third and fourth quarter and more into, into 22, those things are going to start loosening up and you're going to start seeing more live events again. You're going to start seeing people move go back into the offices. And so... When you start looking at expanding your capabilities, getting another firm, purchasing a firm, merging with another firm that doesn't do what you do, then you're able to increase your capabilities, whether that's an IT firm purchasing an AV firm, an AV firm getting an electrical firm or somewhere in between there, expanding your capabilities through a merger and acquisition is a, makes a lot of sense once the economy starts getting, getting going again and the, the cash starts loosening up again. I think traditionally in, in the last couple of years, you've seen 
AV firms acquiring AV firms. That's been the model, right? Or manufacturers acquiring manufacturers. We haven't seen much of the AV acquiring security or security acquiring AV or AV acquiring IT. We're starting to see that, but it hasn't been as great as it's just been traditional AV acquiring AV. I think you're going to see a lot more of that, like Tim said, but it's going to take some time. I think as people start to develop their 2022 plans, their business plans and their models, that's really going to come into effect once the cash starts flowing. And they realize that, okay, we're back to somewhat where we were in 2019, but now how can we really grow this to into our, our, what we were forecasting for our original 2022 revenues. We have seen in, our, on, in the PSA side of the house, some security guys acquiring AV guys, and they're starting to diversify more. But we haven't really seen much on, on the AV side. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, how it all unfolds. I think the traditional AV integrator is looking more at the IT integrator because uh, you know everything is network-based now. So that's just a natural progression to have more network offerings. So I can see that happening more or vice versa, the IT guys looking to the AV side of things and, and, and acquiring some, some AV guys. So I'm excited to see what, where all this, this goes in, in 2021. Yeah, it'll be interesting too, because as a buyer, you know, you want to see a couple of different things, right? Obviously, as a buyer, you wanted to expand either your, your footprint or your, your offerings. So what we have seen are, you know, if an AV company is buying an AV company, they perhaps have a security division or vice versa, right? So a security company buys a security company, they have an AV division. So, hey, now all of a sudden they're in AV. But you'd have to think that prices for each set of those industries, a company within a, one of those industries would be different. So if you're, if you're looking at the sale price of a security company compared to an IT company or even an AV company, likely... If it's a similar size, similar revenue size, employee-based company, I think the models, even the industry itself might dictate the price. So if you're a buyer, I wouldn't think that since the AV industry took a bit of a hit, someone willing to sell may be more apt to sell for a lower price, Tim. Is that, what do you think as far as that theory goes or is that off? No, I mean, so this is my two cents. Unless I was going under right? As an integrator, as a dealer, I think that if I could make 21 work, I think I would, I would write it out, quite frankly. Because yeah, 2020 was, was a hell of a year from the financial standpoint. And unless I, unless I was not able to make payroll, right? And I was not able to take care of my people. I think that I would write it out because you're right, there are going to be some folks who, who are in need, right? And I've, got stories of folks who quite frankly just shut their doors at the end of 2020 right they didn't even try to sell they just said you know what i'm i'm out peace out we're we're done and so you're you're going to have some folks who are in dire need for one reason or another and there's no judgment here again 2020 was it was a crap show but if you can make it right if you can make it work even by the skin of your teeth write out 21 right write it out and and then you'll get you know a, a proper value for, for your firm because yes there are some folks who will, who are in need of getting out and will need help but if you can do it i would say let's see you know try to get you the biggest return on your investment for your company comes down to ebitda right yep and and i i, I know that's where chris was going <laughs> you know it's uh, the the reoccurring revenue and is what is that monthly versus just an overall sale of uh, of, of a system 
So I, I think that's the the major difference between the both IT and security side of things versus the AV, where AV has been moving towards. I do think that the IT and security have a leg up when it comes to that reoccurring. Like got decades uh, up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just a slight leg up, right? Yeah, when you look at financial statements, they're a little different, but I think they're they're very telling in terms of you know strengths, right, and and, and potential threats, opportunities, etc. I see especially the valuations of AV, you're right, Tim, if they can just write it out another year, start layering in, you know, it's easier said than done, layering in those types of current revenue type of services, models, build their valuation, their book of business up a little bit more. And that's if they're ready to sell, right? Their exit strategy is, hey, you know, instead of just closing the doors, peace out, it's let's make this something valuable so I can at least capitalize and monetize off of all the blood, sweat and tears I put into this over the years. Now, as far as buying goes, I mean, are you seeing trends in the manufacturer distributor markets where they're starting to diversify their own sets of products? Well, certainly you're going to have those, you know, you, you, you look at the, at the, the top tier manufacturers and they're always going to, they, they've traditionally the last 10 years diversify into other areas. There is the idea that Go to, one, go to one manufacturer, cut one PO, you know, and you can get everything from soup to nuts. You can get everything from a speaker to a distributor to an amplifier to a control system. And certainly, certainly there are there's some wisdom there for some folks and some folks that makes sense. Same thing with a distributor, right? Distributors have expanded their lines and created new partnerships and, and, and honestly picked up other distributors, right? You and I both, you know, all three of us know of manufacturers who have, have grown through the M&A markets, both locally here, you know, domestically, as well as globally. Um, there are two or three manuf- uh, distributors who have grown globally in, in the last two or three years. Two non-U.S. distributors purchased two U.S. distributors here. And it's interesting watching those acquisitions happen and what that does to the global footprint as the dealers here locally look to expand beyond the borders of the U.S., how that actually helps those distributors. And then they can kind of work in conjunction with each other because suddenly your local distributor is now not local, they can help you get into France. They can help you get into EMEA. They can help you get into Asia PAC because now they're not just a local distributor. They are global. It's a great segue into, into our, our partner network and, and just partner networks in general. If you're not going to acquire, then, then maybe you partner with someone to, to test the waters and, and dip your toe in there before you dive in and just buy a company. I want to say bread and butter, but why we exist as as an organization is to help companies partner together to to solve business problems. And so it makes sense to, if you're looking at a different discipline, partner with someone first, see how they're doing it. Number one, you can learn from them if you want to take it internally. Number two, you could buy them if that is what you're looking to do. Or three, if, if you don't want to do either and just want to partner to continue to have multiple offerings without having that big investment, then a partner network, it makes a lot of sense. And that's why our partner network has grown internationally, like you just talked about, Tim, because we have seen a lot of our, our integrators have clients that say, hey, can you help us out overseas? And now that you know, they can say, yes, we can help you. And that helps them diversify their own offerings. Not only have we seen that, but now we're actually seeing international guys partnering up because they can't cross country borders right now because of uh, the pandemic. You know, partnering ha- has, has definitely taken on a new definition in, in the last year, just because of the travel restrictions and who can go to different places. I thought that was a nice little transition from M&A to partnering, Chris. I figured I'd, I'd help you out there. 
No, all good. I, I think that certainly hits on a, you know, a few different topics of just, I think what it comes down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you know, integrators, of course, solutions providers, manufacturers, distributors all want to grow, right? But I think at the end of the day, what helps drive that growth is servicing the needs of your customer. So listening to your needs of the end user, what do they want? Where are their heads at? Where is their pivot and shift going? How do they react to that? So in the long term, I guess, closing thoughts, Tim, long term from mergers and acquisitions partnering is it with the technology solutions provider and integrator. At the end of the day, does the M&A help or hurt the end user? Hurt them. That's my two cents. I say that as, as having friends and colleagues and clients, quite frankly, who have done hundreds of M&As over the years. And they do it for a very variety of reasons, right? They do it to acquire technology. They do it to acquire talent. They do it to acquire a new market segment or a, a new market in general. I am of the opinion that the, the more brains, the better, right? The more people that we have at the table, the better. And when you start going down the merger and acquisition route, you eliminate people. You eliminate that diversity. You eliminate those choices. Now, that also gives rise and, and, and makes margin and gives room for new people to come along, for new innovation to come through. So I say that I think it hurts it, but it also gives gives rise and gives space to new ideas. Because as bigger companies get bigger through mergers and acquisitions, that leaves the space for the grassroots companies to come up and come through. So I'll stick to my answer that it hurts, but it also you know helps kind of in the long run, give space to the, the smaller, more nimble companies to come up through the ranks. I agree. I, I think just companies in general get stuck in their ways. And until they have some outsiders looking in, they get different opinions at that point. And they're like, oh, maybe, maybe that is a better way to do things as opposed to the way we're doing it. So I, I've never been a part of a, of a merger and acquisition. I'm always reading about it and looking at them. And so I think it definitely helps some people. It hurts other people. So it, it's a double-edged sword for sure. But I think we're going to continue to see the trend. And I'm curious to see how, how it all unfolds in the next year or year and a half. I agree. And I uh, appreciate your conversation around these topics. We went down the path of, you know, it was started with the diversification of disciplines, convergence of industries, the M&A, even partnerships aspects and what the results of those, you know, from a helping or hurting perspective to the end user. Obviously, if you're a, a solutions provider or manufacturer distributor, either selling or acquiring, there's probably some gain there and uh, trying to either help either your top or bottom line. Nonetheless, it was a great conversation. We do appreciate your time, Tim, joining us. Appreciate you uh, being here today. How do it feel to be on the other side? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I appreciate your insights. Thank you for this opportunity and taking you out of your comfort zone just a little bit. I had fun with it, so we do enjoy your time. We're going to close out here. This is USAV Bandwidth, and be on the lookout for the next series. Thank you.